Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Gap Downbacker podcast. Um, today we have um, Cody Gardner, the defensive coordinator and linebackers coach at Park City High School. Coach, how you doing? Doing really well. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, also, more importantly, uh, by this point, several episodes have come out, but he is also the host and creator of the Cover 2 and Barbecue, which is um, probably at this point a, a food heaven point for a lot of coaches. So... Yeah, it's pretty exciting. I think, you know, it's, um, I've got lots of guys that want to do it and want to be part of it. Um, I feel guilty, though, because there are guys all over the country that are like, I'm yeah. in. I'm like, yeah, I don't have the, you know, we don't quite have the budget yet to be traveling. <laughs> like, but I think I could, I could do 20 shows in Texas. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. I think I could go to California and do a dozen shows or, you know, there's guys that are like, you know, and, and you know, I'm sure the, the newest one we're going to release is with, with Coach Allball. Um, and it was just unique that we got a guy from outside of the state in town, and so we just shot it. Like, I've got another guy that um, has in-laws near here, and he comes for every Christmas, and he's like, when I'm in, when I'm in town for Christmas, we're going to shoot one. And, and it's a blast because um, no, there's not much more, you know, family. And like Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday, right? Yeah. Because it's all about family, food, and football, right? And so I just love it. Right, like yeah. there's not a lot going on. I can cook and we have a good time, and the football game is playing the whole time, and and so like that diet, and you know the idea that every red blooded American thinks he understands football, knows football, and then knows how to grill, like every guy, every dude, dude like thinks that, and so I just I just love doing it, and yeah. uh, it's a great excuse to you know eat and talk ball, like it's the you know it, it, if we could take a hibachi grill and set it in the in the lobby of a clinic. Right, like that's what I want yeah. it to be. Right, like uh, I want it to be literally like, hey, by the way, we're all going to talk ball, da da da. But instead of like nap- bar napkins, it'll be like paper towels with barbecue sauce with corn or something. That's that would be the epitome of the show. Would just be like, you know, that kind of vibe of like really relaxed, cooking the food we want to cook, sharing ideas, yeah. and just mixing it. You know, so it's great. I love breaking bread with my brothers. That's it's the ultimate. Well, I don't, I, I, and I think people are going to figure that out as they watch your episodes, and hopefully by the time this comes out, there's, there's plenty of them out, because, I mean, we spent, what, 45, 30, 45 minutes before we even started filming just talking food. Like, that's, I mean, that, yeah. that, that was, a, like, you were explaining all your new stuff, and I'm just like, I am getting really hungry right now. Um, but I, I'll ask you this, because obviously the barbecue part of that makes sense, but why, why do you name it, say, cover three and barbecue, cover four and barbecue, why do you choose cover two? Out of, I'm just curious. I haven't even well, asked I this love, question. I love cover two. Okay. Right? I love cover two, right? Um, and it just, I think it sounded good, cover two and barbecue, yeah. like palm and sous vide, doesn't, you know, whatever. Like, <laughs> you know, it just doesn't sound like, um, you know, I just wasn't sure and kind of, yeah. you know, what to do. And I just thought like cover two and barbecue kind of had a ring to it. Yeah, it does. Um, and really it's not barbecue, it's grill, it's regular cooking. Like we didn't even, um, you know, like the second episode we did with Coach uh, Bowen at Logan High. We just did tortillas. We, we didn't touch a grill, yeah. you know? And so, and I don't want to get in one of those barbecue versus grill debates, you know, I got to name it something. I thought it sounded cool. That sounds good. Um, you're right. You know, and so and it kind of explains what we're doing, yeah. um, you know, uh, but ideally, yeah, I would love, I love barbecuing, you know? So like, you know, I've got guys lined up that that's going to, it's going to literally be, we'll talk, literally to the name, talk cover to and barbecue, but it could be anything from, um, you know, I've talked about that sous vide thing that I've got going on right now. I mean, it could be cheesecake and, you know, like linebacker things like we're going to talk about today. Like, you know, uh, but yeah, I just, 
it was just one of those things. And uh, I've got a, I've got a maybe a knack. I like I know that uh, Voss always talks about he can't name anything. Like he's not good with creating names or whatever. Uh, I think I that's one of my few knacks. Like picking someone's number. Yeah. Like I can look at you like you're 26, you know, or you're this. Like it's like my true passion. Like the only time I ever like through fit like coaching or like any assignment like I'm giving out numbers. Yeah. Like to the head coach. Like it wasn't like hey, I'd like to be there. It was like uh, I have to be in the room when these kids are getting their numbers. Just you can't put the kid in the wrong number, right? <laughs> it's one of those weird things. And and then naming stuff. Like I you know, I come up with these stupid names and you know, like the, the two punter stuff, right? Like our calls, that two punter stuff that we were running were just absurd, right? Like, you know, lemon jello was our like fake punt triple option pass thing. Yeah. And so I'm just out there like a fool yelling out lemon jello, you know, just, I don't know, because speedo, jello, yeah, it was whatever, <laughs> you know, it was left hand motion. So we get the lemon jello and like, you know, and then so since it was lemon jello and our right motion was royal. So it was like lemon jello and royal pudding. So like royal pudding was just the same thing, just the other way. Okay. Um, so I don't know. Like I just I'm an, I'm a bit of an idiot. I like to have fun with stuff. Uh, I don't take it too awful serious. So cover two barbecue. Love the name. Love it. Um, you know, maybe I have to get. A, I was talking about like I need to do a promotional thing when I visit these coaches. Yeah. Right. I love. I'm thinking about doing like a like a cover two, like Tampa two on an apron. Cause I think the too high would look really good on my apron. Um, you know, but we have, our budget is negative, right? It costs me money to shoot. Oh, yeah. So like, I have these great ideas and my wife's like pump the brakes, big boy. Like, yeah. you know, this fun little hobby, you don't need another hobby that costs us money. So, yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's, that's where you just need to find a good sponsor to open it up. So, so kitchen or something. Just, you know, oh. I, uh, I pub, I bought these grill great things. Yeah. I mean, I just give them a copious amount of love. Right, like I love them. I'm like, okay, that, that's somebody I need to like get involved with. Um, obviously, Traeger has a presence in Salt Lake City. Yeah. Right. Everyone loves the Traeger. Um, they actually, I think one of our parent coach kids' parents built a house for one of the co-founders or whatever here in Park City. So there's a small in there, but like, yeah, I do trust me. If I got Traeger and Growgate great to be my sponsors, like, I would. Yeah, You're be, flying around the country and filming these now. Oh, God. Would, I, I would float, dude. I would be so hyped, <laughs> right? I would be so hyped that I would just float to all these locations, man. Like, just because, like, I'm going to do it regardless. Yeah. Right? I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to love it. I'm going to have the most fun doing it. But, like, if you get when you get bad people that, like, validate what I'm doing or, like, want to be part of it, like, that feels so cool. Because, you know, just like when you started this podcast, like, you're like, oh, I had this hope. I think it could be this. Yeah. And then you're like, but how? I don't know. You know. Yeah. And so when it starts gaining some popularity and you start having fun, you start getting guests and different opportunities. It's like, all right, cool. Like this, this is even better. You know, because if it was just you and another coach talking ball, that'd be enough. Yeah. Right. Like it would be enough. Like you're like, oh, no one watches. I don't care. Like you know, it'd be like if you're a high school soccer player, games happen. No one sees them. It's fine. Right. Like you're, you still enjoy it. But so for, I'm gonna do it either way. But yeah, if you if I could get like, oh yeah, sponsors or that kind of stuff, like. Um, and I've got a couple of like small opportunities. I talked about like we talked about maybe spinning it off into like a clinic, where it's like a picnic and a clinic and yeah. um, type thing. And I've had some people that are willing to maybe sponsor that, yeah, right, because they know all right this is going to be X amount of coaches in person, yeah, right. Um, 
So, you know, we've got some different things like that. But, yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm glad to get it going, you know. Um, You know, I think um, with all the vaccine stuff going on right now, you know, I've been vaccinated for for a month. A lot of most of the coaches have been, you know, all – I think our county is like 70% vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So I think it's reasonable and responsible enough situation that I can go visit the people in their houses or – even outside, that's why, like, we did Nate, we shot outside. And uh, it's getting nice enough in Utah weather-wise where I could go shoot outside and even take one more layer of concern off. Yeah. But I'm excited, man. I can't wait Good. to get into it. So. Now, now, the last question before we get into linebacker play is, yeah, yeah, totally. is, is what, what like, if, if you had, like, a last meal or, or something that you can make, like, what, what is your, like, go-to, like, I, I, I want to eat this? Dude, I have so many things like that. Like, I, I'm all about nostalgia, right? Yeah. So, like, things I eat from my childhood. So, like, it, it's I've eaten the same carrot cake for my birthday every year of my life. <laughs> I get it. Yeah. Right? Right. And it's, I would put it up against anybody. Anybody, anywhere, all takers don't care. I'll take my carrot cake. You could have the field or come out on top. Now, my wife has had to learn how to make it, right? Like, it's the same recipe, you know, my, the same recipe my mom took as cupcakes to kindergarten for me. It's the same one I want when I was 30, right? So, um, <laughs> and, like, it's, so it's, like, three, it's three full cups of grated carrot, okay. right? And uh, my aunts and my mom are all over me because I will not let her use a food process, oh. right, to do it. Because I was, and that was my job as a kid. Like, that's why you taste better now as an adult because as a kid, mom's like, hey, come grate the carrots for your your cake. So I would be in there grating out carrots. Well, and I, I jokingly say that my wife's tears make the cake more moist because it's just a pain in the butt, right? And so <laughs> that's what I tell her. I'm like, come on, you know the tears make it taste better. And, you know, and, I, and I, it does. I don't care, it does, right? So that's the way it needs to be made, right? I know it's not the right way. It, yeah, I know she could do the whole work in 20 seconds on the food processor, but I don't care. Yeah, it will be hand grated, right? Um, so that's like something like that. But like I've done an Italian beef recipe that I've given out a ton. Um, takes me right to my childhood. Um, my birthday breakfast. This is a weird one, right? So I can cook whatever. I pride myself in my uh, French omelets, no color, perfect, you know, tenderness. Mm-hmm. But my preferred breakfast on my birthday is uh, just plain white toast with butter and hot cocoa, because it was like my, like our quick Saturday morning breakfast with my dad. Yeah. And so there's something so comforting about that meal. I'm a great meal. It's nothing whatever, but like for me, it just, I get, it makes me feel so emotionally and spiritually warm to eat such a trash meal, <laughs> right? And we dunk, I dunk it. I gotta get a yeah. spoon to get the bread because it sogs out and goes to the bottom. I do not care. I'm instantly 10 years old with my dad getting ready to go out and do something on Saturday morning. It teleports. So for me, that's what food is. Yeah. For me, it's all about a feeling. Um, it's probably why at one point I was 380 pounds, right? Like, you know, I've lost 130 pounds for my highest. Um, I love food. I can eat an immense amount of it. Um, you know, and I've done a much better job of learning, like, portion size. Like, I bought a scale. I have to weigh my food. You know, I have to recalibrate myself every once in a while. Like, no, no, you know, 12 pork chops for three people is not right. You know, like, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, but for me, if I had one meal, um, one meal, um, I would probably get my mom's chicken and dumpling. Okay. Like that's it. Um, again, because, um, it's just one of those meals that like, it's just perfect. 
it's just perfect, man. And like, I've never had it and been like, not a one, right? Or I mean, just leftovers. There's never enough. The day that, you know, we scoop the last bowl, I'm heartbroken that there's not one more bowl. You know, like it's just one of those meals. And it's, again, it's nothing fancy. It's bisquick. It's drop dumplings. It's nothing fancy, but it's just one of those meals that, man, it's, it's so good. Like I got really lucky and I, this is something that's a free one for you guys out there. Like if you like to cook, um, and I stole this part of this idea that for Christmas one year, I asked my mother for all these recipes. Okay. And she gave me a recipe book and I asked her though to handwrite them all. Yeah. Okay. Because Sunday she's going to be gone and I'm going to have those recipes and her handwriting. And I might get emotional, but that means a lot to me. I get it. Um, I had a friend who had a shadow box and it was a picture of her and her great grandmother making biscuits and the biscuit recipe in her handwriting. And it was such a powerful thing that I'm like, God, I need that. I'm, you know, and so in our recipe book, it's got my mom's writing, got the recipe, it's who the recipe came from, a little bit of the history about it. Uh, and it's, it's awesome. Now, I'll be truthful with you, I don't always follow her recipe. <laughs> you know, I should tell you, I'm probably a better cook than she is. But, um, and, I, and I'll change them, but I don't change the spirit. And yeah. so for me, and like, that's what food's about for me, right? It's that family connection thing. And now that I can connect it with football, it's just as cool for me. But yeah, we do mom's chicken dumplings. And it, it eventually we'll get it out there for a cover to a barbecue because it is something simple. Um, it can almost be a crock pot meal that gets turned into the dumplings at night. You know, one of those things that I've talked about shooting for in season, like how do we reclaim time? How do we budget our time? So you take something that you don't have to be there while it cooks and then finish it. You know, add that finishing touch and get it on the meal and get it on the table pretty quick. So, but yeah, chicken and dumplings, man. I'm not I, I get it. I get it. And, and to your nostalgia point, like I, I we talked about before, I I made two cheesecakes earlier in the week. Earlier in the week, I used a brownie crust for one of them, and my wife gives me crap every time I make brownies because I hate because she's got this big kitchen aid that I bought for her, her I think her birthday like three years ago or whatever, and I still hand break down the bat the eggs and the the batter and stir it all into one because that's what I did as a kid for my, my own mother. Like it's just yep. there and just stir. And then, then you obviously lick the bowl to death, but that's a whole nother, that's, that's how you end up being an offensive lineman in high school. Uh, yeah, definitely. So yeah. Definitely. Yeah. No, that's awesome though. But yeah, no, you're right. Like, like the grading the carrot. Sure. Food processors are better. We have a kitchen aid and thing. <laughs> and I would, I guarantee you it's like an afterthought for me to use the, you know, use the, uh, the kitchen aid. You know, for, and like, I don't use a microwave ever. Like, when we lived in Missouri, my microwave was in the basement. People <laughs> would be like, where's your microwave? I'm like, oh, it's downstairs. <laughs> like, I don't use it, right? And it's like, it's a bread box for us. That's what I, where's where I put, keep my bread. You know, like, I just, you know, I don't know. I'm just different, I guess. And I just don't do that kind of thing. <clears throat> but I told you, like, I'm not pretentious, you know? Like, yeah. uh, you know, like, we talked about, like, I, I don't care. Sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. Like, I don't care. Um, but, you know, uh but yeah, yeah, I just I just love cooking uh, during season. It's my stress reliever, right? Because like, if you don't get your mind off of football, you'll burn out. Like I'm a super intense guy. Um, I've gotten as I've gotten older. Like I coach other sports, and like I liked Coach Gardner track version better than any coach <laughs> I'd ever been. Um, you know, because track's so empirical, it's data driven. It's an individual sport, grossly, you know, for the most part. Yeah. And so if you ran a 12 second 100 and now you run 1199, I'm happy because I know you're getting better. Yeah. And you're happy because you know you're getting better. Right. And 
it doesn't matter if you never run a 10-7, but just the progress, you've improved, the tape's going the right direction. Everything, you know, and so like that pressure came off of me. And man, I, I think I was, a, I know, honestly, I think I know I was a better track coach my first five or six years of coaching football because I was a better person. I was in a better headspace. I had the better, I had better energy. And so, but I was aware enough to realize like, man, I really like coaching a spring sport. <laughs> like yeah. I need to be that dude more, right? Cause I can be super <laughs> intense. I can be super demanding and it's never good enough. Yeah. And I tell my kids like, look, it's just it is what it is. Like that's my dad. That's my grandpa. That's how I was coached. I feel like it made the best version of me, but I also get like, that's not always fun to be around. And so I've tried to sprinkle that part in, but part of me being in a good mood is when I come home and like shut everything off and I've cooked dinner because I'm not going to burn dinner, right? We got to eat. And so if we had a shitty practice, like that film is still there. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to get mad about it. But for the next 20 or 30 minutes, I'm in the kitchen, got my dog next to me, you know, we're talking, how'd your day go, kids? Like all that kind of stuff. Like I can turn back into the guy I really like to be and I am. I can get away from football, even if it's only for the 20 minutes while I'm making dinner. Uh, and then after dinner, I can crawl back on the laptop and watch film and get all pissed off again. But um, <laughs> for me, it's so therapeutic to do that, um, you know, because um, we all fight it. It's a long season. And, and, and it, it goes well. It's even longer. You know, we've had a couple 12, 14-week seasons. Um, God, if you're not taking a couple minutes here or there yeah. to, to find some sort of reprieve, uh, from the pressure, especially because our expectations have been sky high, and uh, and I want them there. Um, but uh, you know, so for coming home and making, you know, beef and broccoli instead of go stopping and getting it at Panda Express, right? Not only is it healthier, tastes better, you know, all that kind of stuff. It actually calms me down and allows me yeah. to decompress. Uh, so it's a huge piece of you know of, of like I feel like making me a better person, better coach. Good. Now, yeah. I, I mean. There's a lot of ways we can start this, and I, I think, I mean, obviously, you're going to talk line. We're going to talk linebackers here, back and forth, and like I mean, you, you were a former. I mean, we've we've talked before when you did your like little clinic for us. Um, you talking wrong arming and how you loved being a D line coach, and now you have a really good one. Now you moved to backers. What was that transition like for you, moving from D line to backers in 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 your system and adjusting to that? Yeah, so I did D-line my first four or five years. So I would say my specialty. My specialty is handling, um, I don't know if you want to call them divas or malcontents or kids that, like, physically have the tools, um, all that kind of stuff. But for whatever reason, they don't fit in or they're, they piss off the coaches. or my, That's my thing. Like, I can take a pain in the ass and I can – However, the, whatever the deal is, is that I can find an accord and we can make them pro- progress. So my first, I left O line to coach a lot of running back. We had, and and, uh, and we had this running back who you know he's the best player on our team, a couple of years running, and we're at a coach's meeting, preseason coach's meeting. Everybody's complaining about it. Our head coach was finally like, guy. If he's our problem, we're screwed. Like we're screwed. He's like, yeah, I get it. He's all these things. But he's our best linebacker. He's our best running back. He's going to break the touchdowns and the yards record, but he ain't going to have the, the attempts. Like, he's the best running back ever to come to our school. Like, I don't, what do we can't complain about this kid? And so he goes, and so that, and he goes, I don't know how we're going to fix it. Cody, he's yours. Get him right. And so 
that's kind of why I started making her transition. Well, the next year, guess what? I had a similar kid at outside linebacker. Coach says, hey, man, can you do it again? Can you get over there and get this kid right? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. So I, I left D-line to go to outside linebackers, right? And then, and then I stayed there for two seasons. And then when I left from Illinois to Missouri, I got on staff, and uh, the D.C. was a linebacker coach, and the D-line coaches did a good job. And the guy's like, what do you want to coach? I'm like, I don't care. I get outside backers. I'll do safeties. So I ended up coaching the safeties in a yeah. 4 2 five. Um, and so, again, it was, it, was, it, was a, it was a great jumping off point for me because it really put me fully in coverage line. You know, as a D lineman and linebacker in high school, and as coaching outside backers, but I can have three, four where we walk to one of the backers down a ton. It kind of forced me to think about the game in the back half more. Okay. So growth wise, it's great. Um, but I learned at that point from coaching other sports that I never played. So I coached wrestling and track and I was a basketball, baseball guy. And so I learned how to learn, right? And so when I say, you're going to coach this, I just dove in. And then um, the next year in Missouri, I became the D.C. And the D.C. Uh, had some young kids. He wanted to spend more time with his family. So I took over. And when I looked at the layout of talent, I had an O-line coach who wasn't really bought into coaching defense. And I get it because O-line a full-time job. Like yeah. it's as detailed and time-consuming as being a coordinator. Can't convince me otherwise. So... I get it. So I gave him my linebackers because I knew they were coached up. I returned all of them and I had an all stater. Here you go. The least amount of work you can do. Right. And then I like what the D line coach did. So he was good. And then it's all, I was like, I'll take the linebacker. Our linebacker group was our weakest group. So I felt like if the linebacker was going to be a problem, it was going to be my problem. Cause I didn't want to have to yell at a coach or get mad at the coach. Cause I felt like he didn't have him coached up. Yeah. I'd rather be pissed at myself. Right. So that's when I transitioned to linebackers and same thing. I would be diving in. Um, so I had talked to the previous coach all the time about what he was doing at linebackers. Um, I knew what they were doing and what he taught, how he taught it. Um, and you know, I kind of, so I understood what they were taught. And then the off season, I just went to work, you know, what's going to work for us. How are we going to read this? Um, what's going to fit? Cause we were two GOG front, uh, two gap, uh, you know, people call it two gap, uh, one gap or two gap open gap. Um, and so, um, we were moving to that. I loved it. We were going to do it. And I needed to make sure that my, my reads fit the scheme. So I dove into like open, close reads, just open, close window. Yeah. Um, and I went to, I read everything I could, looked at everything I could, every video, clinics, all kinds of stuff. And then uh, I was at the St. Louis Glazier and I heard Coach Tuke from SEMO talk about how he was backwards. And I got about 70, 80% of it from him and some other stuff from other people. Um, but realistically, I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. I, mean, I really didn't, yeah. right? Um, I was prepared as I could be. Um, it made sense to me, you know, I, the way we were going to read stuff, but it was definitely different because um, I'd always been in systems where they read guard, right? I'd always been in read guards, read your guards, read your guards, you know, flow lies, guards don't lie, right? That kind of thing. Um, and so we weren't going to read guards as our primary read. And so I was a little, and like when I told uh, that's my thing about having a head coach as an offensive guy. He's not going to get too worked up about it. But I told the former DC, who was really a great guy, he was like, I don't know, man. Like, you know, kind of gave you that, that, that thing. And so I'm like, well, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm just, I'm just going to do it. Um, and so dove in and I love it. I have not changed. I've improved, but I have not changed the way we read backers um, in the past six years. Um, 
multiple different base defenses, I feel like the way we read fits, just fits, fits everything we want to do. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so that that's kind of the transition was, was that I, I kind of felt like that was the group that needed the most work. I'm yeah. going to put all it on me. And then when I got to Park City, uh, our head coach was coaching inside before when he was an assistant coach. Um, and so he he just kind of said, hey, you know, I, he, he's the one that he preferred outside linebackers. And so he wanted to go down safety, outside linebacker kind of land. I was like, fine, I'll go to the inside. Our D-line coach was pretty good. You know, so we were in good shape. Um, and so I kind of stayed there. And I've been really lucky. I've got dudes, you know, like um, – in a, I love my D-line coach. My head coach is still my outside linebacker coach. Um, we're actually going to get a – we've been a little bit thin staff-wise. I think this year I'm actually going to have a separate uh, safeties and corners coach for okay. the first time since I've been here. So I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, a young guy. Um, he's got a ton of playing experience. He's an overachiever, a superachiever, not even an overachiever. You know, <laughs> I've, I've been introduced to this new bandwidth of people that achieve stuff. Like, we're all promoted with overachievers. I coach with some superachievers, dudes that, like, you made really good life choices, <laughs> you know, like just, everything they do is 11. Yeah. Right. Like, and eventually that, you know, that's not a coincidence. That's a pattern. Like, that dude super achieved. I overachieved. It's not categorizing. And so, um, this guy's another super achiever and, uh, but he doesn't have a lot of coaching experience. So I'm going to put him with a pretty good talented group. Right. I'm going to protect him with talent. Um, and we're going to try to keep it simple. I'm not going to make him coach all DBs when I coach just one piece of the DV, um, I'm going to give him a ton of support. But that's kind of how, you know, it works. If I had a guy come in and he was like, I, I did the linebackers for 20 years, I would probably go and get in the defensive back. Um, I, I don't care what I coach. I coach as a, as a coordinator. I coach it all anyway. Yeah. Right? Like, if we're in seventh, I'm back there talking to the safeties, right? Or if we're in team, I'm in the box talking to people. I kind of coach it all anyway. But, um, you know, I, and I – and so – but yeah, that's how we got the linebackers. And so, um, you know, if we want to, the way it works is, is that it's all about flow for us. Right? Yeah. So flow. Um, but we have indicators. Okay. We have certain indicators that we're looking for. Um, so in the, let's, we'll just talk about gun just because that's the prep most, mostly what people yeah. will see. Um, and we can talk about, we'll teach gun and we can go back to under center and kind of two back. Step. But gun, <clears throat> we cross read. Okay, so we cross read everything. And even in the four two five, my like weak side safety would cross read. Um, so we cross read everything. The only thing we're really reading is so we talk about key steps. Okay. So yeah. we, the words we use is key steps to service. Okay, so every day we get in our stance, right? I teach a very high stance, very high hip stance. Um, guys get in like a what I consider maybe a traditional linebacker stance and you can see their numbers, it kills me. I'm like, I point to the five-man sled. I'm like, you see that thing? That's what you look like. Like, see they put numbers on the front of that five-man sled? Like, they practice against that, dude. Hide your numbers. So we're very tall and high in our hip, but very flat back. Yeah. Okay? Uh, really wide stance, right? And uh, we, we call, we, we flutter, okay? And so flutter for us is like, think of return of service in Tennessee. Yeah. So think about Rafael Nadal returning a service or Andre Agassi returning a service. Now, that... Serves coming in at 114, 120 mile an hour. Their feet aren't static. They're up on the balls of their feet. They're not covering any distance, right? They're not false stepping, but they're up on their feet and they're kind of moving so they can boom, push off, right? And so we flutter. So that's how we that's how we initiate our movement. Okay. We talk about rather you be late than wrong. Okay. And we talk about how like um, 
your subconscious football player is far better than your conscious football player. So if you would just shut your freaking brain off and let it do its job, it will tell you where the ball is. Yeah. When you make decisions, you can decide wrong. Right? When you, when you let your brain, your subconscious react, you'll find the ball much faster. And so that what we talk about in that flutter is that the cleats shouldn't really come out of the ground. It should, we're talking about less is more. It shouldn't be intense. It should be, they should be able to do it like, like while eating a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It should be like that chill. Okay? And it's giving that brain a chance to see what the hell's going on. Right? Even if they took too many flutters, I'm cool with it. Right? Because the next layer to that is 100% right, 100% wrong. Once you see it, it doesn't matter, you go, right? And, and, and that's one of the things that while I, I talked about, like, I'm never pleased and never satisfied, I do try to create an environment where you can make big mistakes. The worst mistake in our defense is to do nothing. I'd rather you get the wrong read and fly out of the shot of the cannon because then I can be like, oh, you were looking at this, right? If you're stuck in the middle of no man's land and you're chattering back and forth, I have no idea what you're looking at. I have no idea what you're looking at. I have no idea what input is coming into you and you're guessing and I'm not I'm guessing. If you would just commit to what you see, trust your eyes, go flying down there a million miles an hour, either right or you're wrong, we'll fix it real fast. Yeah. So creating that environment of like, hey, dude, I want you screwing up. And I want you screwing up again in a huge way because we'll get it fixed 10 times faster, yeah. right? And so, um, so you know, that's some of the things that we preach daily. So the way we do is we mirror step that key step, right? So in our flutter, we flutter and take one little step, I mean, tiny step, right? I don't want to be right or wrong, so that minimal step kind of hedges to make sure I'm not too far off. But we mirror step. So if the back is on my left and he steps with his left foot, I'm going to flutter left foot step, okay? I'm going to mirror him, right? It's also a good indication for me, and I've done this even outside backer or something I stole, um, but I want to be able to cross-check you on film. So if I stop the film and I see the key step went left foot and you went right foot, I know you're not watching this fucking film. Yeah. Right? I know you're not watching. You're not, your eyes aren't where they're supposed to be. Okay? And so when I was an outside linebacker coach, we could spill or box. And the safety's job was to make them right. But I always told the guys I wanted them to think about it pre-snap. I'm going to spill everything. I'm going to box everything. Okay? And so if they were going to be a spill guy... They would have their inside foot up, right, forward body lean. If they were going to spill, I wanted them to step with the back foot, square their stance. Yeah. Okay? So, because that way, in theory, their body was in a position to get underneath them. If they were going to box, they were to pick up their inside foot, their near ball foot, pick it straight up, put it straight back down, and stay in a staggered stance. Right? And so, for me, I could watch film and be like, why did you box step and spill it? You know, are you just guessing? Are you not thinking pre-snap what your job needs to be? So for me, it was a cross-reference. It was cross-check somebody, right? So that's why we mirror step. Is it crucial um, timing-wise? Maybe a little bit, but does it matter which way they step? No. But I want to make sure that they are mirror-stepping with that guy because now I know they're watching, okay? So it's key step, right? We're going to mirror, key step, and we call it to surface. So key step to surface. So again, if in the back, I'm, I'm playing my and the back's away from me, and he steps at me, my eyes are now going to go to the surface in front of me. Okay, so I'm stepping mirror step to surface. And it's not guard. It can be guard, tackle, tight end. It's the full surface, right? So, because what I've got now, so step at me, slow at me, right? That's slow at. So if I get a puller away from me, that's mixed flow, right? So now I go into my mixed flow read, my movement, right? If I get 
right? So that that's how I cross I, I cross check, right? I get step away, right? Surface, right? Changes. I get pulled back. I know it's flow ad. Yeah. Okay, so we're reading the surface off that key step. Essentially, we're trying to verify mixed flow. Yeah. Right. So flow at, flow away, mixed flow. The last one we talked about is fast flow, and that shows the five line. Okay. But those are that's what we're doing every day in Indy. We're getting our stance, we the stance, 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 flutter, 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 mirror step, mirror step, mirror step, mirror step to surface, mirror step to surface. And so we just hit all those real quick. And then I'd work flow. And so I'll step, and they have to step, right? So if I'm stepping at you, that's fast flow or flow at you. If I stepped away from you, that's flow away, right? So you're going to run set hard, flow away, check your A, all those kind of basic rules, okay? And so we do all those. And then when we, then we go to pistol, okay? So and it's the face freeze, right? So the quarterback faces you freeze, right? That's flow away. If you get butt, that's flow at, right? And that's how we work. And we work the whole, all those progressions, right? And within that, I'll do like a pass drop so that they get, you know, they get their drops but the, that's how we read. So, you know, in terms of the step, right? So if I've got the running back is away from me, that means the other linebacker has the quarterback. So a lot of times people talk about like stack fallback, right? This is how we accomplish stack fallback because I'm not reading the running back, I'm reading the quarterback. And so if it's don't read and the quarterback pulls it, that's my read. I'm on it. Now, so in theory, I'm seeing the guy I need to see. So to the next layer is now that I've got flow at me, let's say we got flow at me and I'm a 30 backer, B gap is open, right? When I get my eyes to the surface, I'm looking for that window, right? I'm going to, we call it pressing our pre-snap window. So I'm pressing the B gap, looking for it to close, right? So if I get guard down, that closes, I now am gap exchanging with the D tackle, right? Or the D end, or however the case of the D lineman, right? So if I get cloudy, and so we just work, Two linemen, right? They step out, open. They step down, close. Right? And that's just that's something that's what we work on. Um, so that whether it's trap or GT or veer or midline, that gives us cloudy, we run to that gap. Right? It gets spilled, we run right to it. And so a lot of times when we're on an even front, we get into two uh two one, two five. And now midline trap, veer, GT, everything, power, everything fit in the exact same way. Yeah. Because they would get, right, step at them, step away from whatever, no pull, down, down, close window, run C gap, run B gap, whatever the case is. Um, so that's as simple as I can say it, really is what we do. So whether we're a 3 4 team, a uh, 3 5 team, or a 4 even front team, we're open, close window. So we're a 3 5 base, right? Uh, and when we want to go too high, we don't go to a 3 3, right? because that's the furthest thing from our 3-5, even though it looks the same. Our 3-5 is the closest cousin is the 3-4. Yeah. Because we have two overhangs, we have our two backers, right? And in our system, our middle stack guy in the 3-5 has no run fit or pass responsibility. So when I take him off the field, it doesn't change much of anything. There's one thing that changes. Everything else is the same for everybody, right? So for us, our too high solution is to put a second safety and pull a linebacker off the middle. Right, because it doesn't impact. The only thing it does impact now is that on pull. So if you're the backer, the stack backer on the guard side that pulls, back side the pull, we now have to get across the midline. Whereas in the three five, we didn't have to cross the center because I've got that stack backer who can be the additional player. 
So that's really the only impact. But again, I coach linebackers. It's my job to get it right. Right. Yeah. So I put that extra burden on me to make sure that we ain't in dime. So when we go to inside run, we'll run our guy. I mean, who I'm putting in, you know, half our snaps are in dime and inside run. So, you know, <laughs> I'm not loading the box. I'm, I'm unloading the box because we still have to play it. Like yeah. I'm not going to give up seven yards on track because we were in our three, four. So, um, but the nice part is, is like the way those back backers read, nothing changes. Um, we want to bump our front and walk a backer down, which we do a lot doesn't change their read, right? We can be a 4-4 team. We can be a 3-4 team. We can be a 3-5 team. And my inside backers, nothing changes. They don't miss a beat. Okay. And so, the, that, and so, and then the thing that changes, so if you go to under center, then we read near back. So yeah. near back is our key. So that would be our key step to surface. Yeah. That's the progression. So, um, so I heard one guy explain it like if it was uh, offset backs, right? Yeah. But that's just the eye, the eye turned. Okay. Right. So you just turn to that's the pullback now. So just read his, you know, um, and that's game plan too. We can dig like, Hey, look, the quarterback's not a run threat. We're just going to key the running back the whole week. Yeah. You know, definitely something we can tweak, but an open close window. It's huge. Um, we were a two GOG team. We had to read it that way because the gap exchanges happened on baseline. Yeah. Supposedly. Right. So if the guard is better than my three tag, if he gets base blocked, like, oh, coach is a baseball, he's supposed to fall in the A gap. Well, he lost the battle. Yeah. So if you're my mic, you better be in the you better be in the A gap. Right. And so because that would be an open window. Because you know, right? Like that's yeah. an open window, you gotta fill it. Now it's not closed because he crossed face. Um, and so that was the only way I, I thought it made sense to me. Because in theory, in our two GOG, my linebackers have no gaps. Cause we're six gaps with four D line, two two gappers and two one gappers, that's six gaps. My backers are completely free. Okay. And so they're out of, completely out of the fit. But realistically, they have to, so they, while they yeah. don't have a gap, they need to fill the open window to play side. So that's kind of where I evolved, like, and mentally was like, okay, they don't have a gap, but they've got to go where the hole shows up. Yeah. And so the way they had read the path, I didn't think we would get to that spot. I thought we would have plugging, we would get two in a gap. We cross the face, a three tackle cross that guard's face, and I would have a backer stacking into the A gap, and I would get two in the gap. Right? And so, um, you know, football theory, six gaps taken up by four guys, but it's <laughs> worse when it's five guys are only taking up four gaps. So, um, you know, if, if I believe if I believe that, if I believe that four guys can eat up six gaps, then I have to understand that we could bury, right? Like, it's just as likely we could bury and get five guys in four gaps. So, being able to, to fix those was, was huge. Plus, um, when we were at 4-3, we definitely had one guy completely out of the fit. And so we could change who it was. If we're in the over front, right, if we're in the over front, um, my Sam, my overhang would be gap-free, right? If we were in under, right, now I could swing my fits and have the will covered. If we were in like a two ones, you know, G front, double G, then my mic would be covered, right? Because those two guys in theory, the DNs would got baseball, they'd go to B gap, and now my Will and my Sam would run C gap. So my mic was free. So those guys also knew, like, hey, in this call, I'm free, completely free, free. Yeah. These six have these six, and I am just running around crazy. And so whenever um, we had a kid, an all state kid, uh, defensive player of the year for the region, it was Mike Backer. If I let him check, he checked to that 11th front every time. 
because now he could just freelance, right? <laughs> and so when we made the move to the three five, that was part of what I liked was that that middle stack backer was getting that freedom. Yeah, he was getting the ability to run and just make plays. Now he doesn't read key steps to circle. That's the another caveat, right? Like he doesn't change those guys. He doesn't change the three four. He doesn't change the four two read, the five two read. But that beast backer, who's my dude, right? He's reading trying traditional triangle reads. Okay. Right. So he's re- and really the, the the his key really is really simple. He's attacking the guard that attacks him. Simple. simple. Yeah. Right. There's some zone stuff where we may change it a little bit. I may have him get on the mesh hip. Right. Just yeah. to stay on behind the ball. But um, but against gap teams, he's just guard this guard at him. So if he gets the double team comes from there, he's fitting up that way. And that's also why I always try to tell people that our three five fit like a 4-4, four, four, where you always are getting your three-tech to the play side. Yeah. Like you're always getting that other dude right there in the B-gap with a backer to fill um, because of the way we set it up. But, yeah, that's our reads. I don't know if you have any questions about it or examples, but, you know, if we had, like, gun two-back, yeah, there's cross-reading. Does em- empty change anything for you? No. No, no, no. Empty doesn't change anything for us. Um Typically, like in our three-five, you know, we're gonna boss a backer out, okay. right? And so he's gonna, and we, you know, we'll mess around depending on the team what they like to do, whether we'll be in like four eyes or five. Yeah. Um, and then, and we may move the nose to clean up the, that that uh, the middle stack guy's read, um, just for fit. But he's now playing; he's spying QB naturally, all those kind of things. Um, but yeah, no, it doesn't really change. Even if when we boss that backer, right? Let's say it's trip. We go boss and take our mic, our middle, our stack to the trip side, and we bump them out into like a 70 or a 90, right? Yeah. And back is to him. So it's a trip's near, right? He's reading QB. So if he gets RPO, it's all flow away at mesh. He's just sitting in the slant window, hook curl, yeah. right? Because that's flow away, right? And we typically two gap that D end to that side. And he plays like a, I would say, 60-40 inside gap with a vision. And so now he's two gaps. So that backer doesn't have B or C gap. He's free. We freed him up. Um, and so ideally the ball will spill up to see he can fill it. So it doesn't change his read. Now if the back was away, right, the back was away from him, now he's reading back. So if he got some sort of like GT back or some sort of stretch back at him, or even if they were like two by two and got jet motion, he's reading that jet back. Okay. That would be fast flow. Right, so we still cross read even if he's out of the box. It's just it's what we do. Okay. So really, like I said this, we re- rarely get crossed up on anything, um, just because there's only so much they can do. And even if it's like same side GT, right, and we don't see the pull, right. So he steps forward, so we go front, right, or like same side trap, right. We go there. Well, we're still getting down, down, cloudy. Right, so I don't even have to know there's a pull. We don't call pulls out. Not that we ever did when we were three, four, ten. They, they never got called out anyway. Yeah. Right. So I don't get pissed about we don't get pull calls. <laughs> right. And so even when they, whenever they try to mess with us by going same side, well, I don't care. That's just flow at me. It's coming that way. I got cloudy, cloudy, and I'm in, I'm running off when I got a gap. So I don't even I don't know it's necessarily mixed flow because it's not mixed. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's it, Flow away for the other guy, right? 
because the guy stepped away from him. And for me, it's slow at me. So I don't give a shit about the pull. Now my D-line better do their job and spill it. Yeah. But that's not an explode. They're not giving me, right? So that's the big thing about the surface is we're just checking. That's flow at me. No, it's not explode. Right? Uh, and so if it's flow away and I get a puller back at me, well, I'm flow away anyway. So I check my egg out. I get down, down. I'm running off anyway. So we really don't worry about in the beginning, I tried to get them to read the far side of the line, but as we've gone, it doesn't matter. Um, we just read, we get step at me. If I get flow at me, I need to make sure it's not next flow. That's really what we're worried about. What qualities are you looking for in your backers when you're evaluating? Because obviously, I mean, we've talked before. I mean, you're updating backers every so often because of graduation. You've had some really good kids lately, D-line and backers. So what qualities are you looking for as you're evaluating them in the summer? Yeah, so I'll talk about like in general. Like so um, in our in our 425, okay, when we're a 425, I put my best backer, my best true linebacker, run, fit, stopper, dude, at the will, into the weak side. Okay. okay. Um, we've got that natural bubble out there, no overhang. I need, I won't put my dude. So if you're going to run over there, that's fine, but my best dude's over there. So like last year when we were in our, our even front zone, my best DN and my best linebacker were on the weak side. So my number one tackler and my, and my DN was the number two tackler on the team. They were all doing it from the weak side. So if you wanted to attack that, that's fine. You're running by two bad. And they're good enough that if you ran away from them, they'd run over and make the tackle anyway. <laughs> okay? Um, so I felt like, um, you know, that's where you need to be a dude. If you have, again, my two GOG principles, right, where a lot of times we're in overfront, so that weak side D end has to be a dude. If you have a gap, gap to, a bubble on your inside, you're a man. Right? Three tech, man. Weak side five, man. Okay? Nose can be a little reckless. He can kind of be anybody type. He has to play with the motor, right? The strong side D and that's covered by the three tech can be have a pull, right? He has to be a little bit more accountable for what he does, but he really doesn't have to be super special tool-wise. Mike Backer, same kind of thing. He probably tends to be an A-gap guy. He's got the gaps crossed from him plugged. He doesn't have to have a lot of speed, right, or other inside backer. He can be the, your fifth D lineman kind of type, right? He's plugging A gaps. If he's not, it's because they're, you know, we're in some sort of underfront. He's plugging the B. They've got a tight end. We walked another backer down. Uh, my, you know, our the nickel guy has to be, you know, has to have cover skills. Um, I've had them all different sizes. I, I am, um, you know, they have to, they kind of have to be like a DB in terms of like um, short memory, just because of the stress point. Um, in our, in our three five. Now, uh, 3-5, the beast backer has to be a dude, right? He has to be a dude. The whole, it's, um, so we've only run it a few, a few times, a few years, but we've never not had an all-state nose beast in free safety. Yeah. The whole defense is set up for those midline three guys to make 80% of your play. So, you know, uh, that's the part the, the dude goes, okay? Um, and, 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 you know, this is it, it's right? Between my mic and my will, my, my weak side stack guy, he's going to be the worst of my three. Okay, that's where the kid with the, limited, the most limited skill set or the youngest kid goes. Um, my guy that's going to play into trips, my mic, he has to have some coverage skills. Yeah. Right? He has to be a little rangier. He's going to go. He, he, I may ask him to cover up a tight end. I may ask him to get down in the fit as a, as a lineman at times. 
Um, he has to be able to cover some of that kind of stuff. So he has to be pretty good, pretty rangy, has some physicality. Um, the Zeke, our weak side outside backer, can be um, a kid with decent cover skills. Um, ideally, I'd like a kid that doesn't have to never, we never really have to attach him to the front, um, but it'd be nice if he could cover a wheel out of the back, out of the yeah. backfield. Okay. Um, and not because he's a lockdown guy, just because he's heady and he plays with position. It's really a guy that he's into the boundary, he's going against, he's a position kid. If he puts himself, his, the most important thing a lot of times our Zeke does is get in a good spot for snap. Yeah. Seven by two, six by one, four by four, right? Like we give him the freedom, but he has to understand why he's trying to do what he's doing and put himself in that position. Um, and then our Sam, again, that nickel, the strong side guy, he has to have coverage skills. Um, we've been pretty lucky. Um, but we do ask him to come down and cover up tight ends. So I like for him to be a physical kid. He doesn't have to be big, but he has to be able to punch uh, and, and, and play with, you know, with, you know, kind of traditional stand-up five, you know, five front D and stuff. Um, so typically those guys are pretty special. I would say um, if, you know, as far as like talent distribution, it'd be the beast backer, which is our middle stack, and then the Sam. And then from there, it kind of filters in. Um, you know, like I said, like if you got a thin guy who's not great at run fit, it's probably an outside backer, the, the weak side guy. Guy got kind of thick ankles, limited coverage skills, he's probably the will, right? Yeah. Um, like the, the kid that's my beast backer this year, uh, his sophomore year started at Will, right? Yeah. He's a six one one seventy sophomore, right? Not yeah. a really good ball player, um, but couldn't have handled the pass coverage responsibilities in trips. Or uh, if they got into pro twenty, you know, twenty one stuff, he didn't have enough lead in his ass to go down and cover up a tight end. Yeah. Right. So you know that's what we're looking for. Kind of um, those two dudes need to be kind of special, and then we can kind of. All right, what is he? Well, he's a little slow, but he's a smart kid. Okay, well, then he goes there. Okay, he's a little light. He's, uh, you know, he's he's probably closer to being a safety, you know, slow safety. <laughs> you know, that's that weak side guy. Um, we had a kid that did a couple years ago for us was a corner, but uh, tore his ACL and came back and um, just didn't have didn't have the wheels yet. He was nine months, 10 months post-surgery. And so he played his heart out for us, but he just didn't have – but he understood passing spacing. And like, if you got a wheel out of the backfield, he played it great. He just couldn't play corner anymore. He didn't have the speed for it. You know, I'm sure he does now. He, you know, now he's two years where she moves, he's probably got all the speed back. Um, but that was the perfect fit for us because he was an excellent tackler. He understood spacing and routes and how to pattern match. Um, he just didn't have the wheels to play our midpoint by our DB. Yeah. So that would be the perfect kid, you know, um, doesn't have to be a true like down safety roll down. You can be a little bit more of a backer. We'll have that bit more this year. But yeah, that's what we're looking for as far as backers. Okay. Now you mentioned pass coverage there. You've already kind of talked about how you develop run fits and 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 drill that. How do you develop the pass coverage techniques in practice? Yeah. So it's all on count. So we're. I mean, if you looked at us, I would have to say we're a country cover three team. Even though it pains me. <laughs> so what I, the, 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 right because it's like it's insulting yeah but like um truthfully what it is imagine if you love palm you love to read right and you consider yourself you consider yourself a to read expert right but you have a love-hate relationship with the amount of teaching that to read takes right i gave up on to read even though i love it 
because I can teach regular cover two and quarters easier. Yeah. And then it's up to me to call, make the call. And so while it pains me because I think two reads is elegant and it's amazing, um, and this will sound weird, I've been too athletic to run it. So when you're thick ankled and you have kids that have good processing speed and bad foot speed, two read can save your ass, right? Because they can see patterns and they can jump it. It gives them a chance to adjust on the fly. If you got dude dudes, just be dude dudes. And I've had dudes, <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm just going to be truthful. Right. I've had dudes. I don't need them some, I don't need them thinking. I don't need them thinking. I need them going and getting the ball, right? And so, you know, so, but I love pattern match. I love two read. So when I teach my country cover three, we match everything underneath. Okay. And whether, and the way we've done it, whether it's cover three, cover four, quarter, quarter, half, whatever you want to say it, uh, our man coverage, our, uh, our, our, our man match, right? My linebackers' past responsibilities really kind of stay the same. So it's all about we count, right? The way we count stuff, right? So in our base cover three, my sandbackers, so my strong side backer, and I see my outside backers, their rule is they're going to reroute two and play to the face of one, okay? So they're going to knock the piss out of two. They're going to put number two on the track. Right, and then they're gonna run at number one and looking for his face. So slant, hitch, in, digs, all that stuff. He's gonna run. If he doesn't get that, okay, he doesn't get that. He gets a true vertical by one. He will round out and play whatever the outbreaking route is, or yeah. he'll settle off. Okay, so he's in theory cover three flat defender who may never go to the flat. <laughs> yeah. Okay, because we're, I mean, like I said, country cover three. Now we're not spot drop. We match. Okay, but the back half is midpoint. So if you look at it, you're like, that's not really rip. It's not rip Liz. It's not this, right? But underneath, we match everything. So my mic backer, the next backer inside, right? He's wall of three, face of two. Yeah. The reason why the fan backer is rerouting two is to buy Mike time to get out of the box and get to his face. Okay, and so that's the way the progression works. So if we're in two by two, it's reroute two, face of one, reroute three, face of, right? So the back swings, right? Now we're looking to get to the face of two, right? Which if he goes far enough, you know, if he kind of comes to the new two, the new three, yeah. we work to those things, right? So um, that's how they work. Well, we're in quarter, quarter, half, and we boss that Mike Backer out into an apex between number three and the tackle, Guess what's ruling? Uh, reroute three, face it to you. It doesn't change. It doesn't change. And so, hey, we're going to play zero. Okay, cool. So our free safety goes down and plays number number two weak or three strong. Our sandbacker plays two strong, right? And so now when the back goes out of the backfield, guess what my guy's doing? The back, my Mike backer. He's just carrying the guy that he would carry normally, right? So, hey, that guy's out. And so there's only way he's playing faces the whole way out. So we get kind of a mod kind of thing. So in theory, that swing route, we'll give up the swing because we're out by the running back because the behind line scrimmage is going towards the sideline. But we're not going to let the slant come back underneath that linebacker's act. So he's playing faces the whole way out. Yeah. So it doesn't matter to him, right? That guy's breaking his leverage. And he's like, cool, I'm running. Face of this guy. He's going to collision you. Throw the flag out here. We're going to collision him on the way out. And so when we play our match, our, our mod, right? Same shit. 
right? He's now collisioning. He's got to face, right? So he's cutting that inside breaking route. The DB is taking the, the running back, right? So the way we describe pass coverage to our guys, no matter what the coverage is, our linebackers are pretty much doing everything the same because they're just matching up the route, distribution of route. Okay, the one caveat would be on sprint out. <clears throat> sprint out changes some things because of who the pull-up player is, and now that middle beast backer that has no job becomes a replacement player. So if the mic triggers on the quarterback, the beast covers. Yeah. <clears throat> um, we were talking about, I know other people do it the other way, they have the beast be the pull-up player, and they don't make the stack backers ever change their job. I like that too. Never done it. I think our kid could do it. I'm going to find out when we go to summer, right? <laughs> if that's something I want to yeah. change. Because um, then I really don't have to worry about the timing of them switching. But I do like that Mike, who's out in space, having leverage running at the quarterback. Um, but a team that I really trust and guys that I think are really, really smart and they have a ring and I don't, do it the other way. And so I think it's worth looking. Yeah. But yeah, the way we do our count, my guys understand in this coverage, my count's this, right? And so... That's all we're trying to do is play wall verticals and play the faces coming at it. Okay. Um, we talk a lot about stretch return. So we try not to vacate gaps. So as we're pushing out to that face, it doesn't come when you want to return. We, you know, I have, it's like just rubber band. So you just stretch that rubber band and you return back. Um, we do a lot of drills where I have uh, odds like a crosser and they'll meet, carry, and return. So I'll put like all eight or nine running linebackers out in one line and have one dumb, one bird dog run across, and you'll see them meeting, carrying, return, meeting, carrying, return the whole way through, and then that guy goes to the end of the line. That next guy is the bird dog, and he comes back. And so we get pretty good about five, you know, you know, in, and some of the guys that get really good will actually reroute some of those crosses with their ass so they don't get in trouble because they're not using their hands. Yeah. Um, we talk a lot about um, when we get those face reads, and guys are coming at us. Uh, we get our head around and we try to hit their down, uh, our uh, their downfield shoulder with our upfield shoulder. We clip them, right? But we have our head around right before contact. So it looks like we're trying to play the ball, and we just lost sight of the guy. Um, you know, we're trying to hedge our bets because we're super physical. Um, and we get it. We get it. We get. And we get PI. We get defensive holdings. We get. You know, we get it. And I don't care. We get, the record is five straight plays in a JV game. We got five straight penalties on us. Uh, six. The sixth play, they uh, they didn't call it. <laughs> yeah, those kids. I was, I was I, one of those weird things where you're so proud of the kid because yeah. it's his kid. He smashed the kid. He played his rules. No, no one yelled at him. You're never going to yell at for PI in our program um, or jumping off sides as long as you beat the shit out of the offensive line. And like I've got film of it, like third and seven, state quarterfinal. Ball in the red zone. My nose guard jumps off sides. Destroys the center. I'm on the sideline clapping. He got off, shot his hands. You know, like 100% right, 100% wrong. It's that, that environment. While, while we, our expectations are mile high, an aggressive mistake like that I can live with. A kid jump off sides and doesn't touch him? Oh, I, I lose my shit. Because I'm like, what are you doing? Like, you, you should be getting off so hard, you can't stop. If you can get off and not touch that guy, you're not getting off. You know, like for me. And so, um, again, those environments where we're like, you know, dude, make a monster mistake, but it's a million miles an hour yeah. with the right intention. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, just a little bit of like, I think that's probably, as I've gotten older, one of the things that I've been more conscious about is making it an environment like, dude, I need you making mistakes, giant mistakes in 
in June and in July so that we don't have to do it now. Because if you are playing guarded in practice in July, we're just never going to progress. Okay. Um, you, know, you know, and then the other thing we do too, um, and I talked about this a little bit with the things I shot with Nate, but um, we don't do a lot of traditional indie during practice. So if we're doing specials and my linebackers aren't in specials, or like half of them are, or half of them aren't, we'll go grab some indie time then. Um, but we do uh, a 10 minute indie period at the end of practice. Okay. Um, and we call it opportunities, right? The ops, indie ops. And I can keep them all and keep one, I can keep two. The thing that I love about it is that I can fix a problem before they go home. And so we can have a conversation, we can fix it. And then the next day when we're in film, like, hey, uh, hey, Johnny, we talked about this, right? And now it's not, he's not getting embarrassed, right? It's not the first time he's hearing it. It's, hey, this is that where we talked about. This is why we stayed an extra two minutes, 60 second conversation and fix. And then he gets a chance. He doesn't have to, he's not wearing it on the way home. He isn't thinking about it. He isn't like watching film going, our coach is going to be pissed, right? Coach has already talked to him, told him he loved him, got it fixed, have a good night, right? See you tomorrow. Coming to practice, we're reviewing. Hey, yep, we got it covered. Yeah. I think growth wise, getting kids, young kids, especially your JV kids, to play better, huge. Last year, our JV linebackers, no shit. Were, I mean, they were, they were, as far as read, uh, understanding their job and being in the right spots, were as good as any varsity squad I've ever had. Now, physically, don't have all the tools, young, undersized, whatever, but from like, being in the right spot. I mean, I had a five or 117 pound will backer last year that led the JV in tackles. Dude's reads were perfect. Now he ain't going to grow. I don't know what the hell I'm doing, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? But, it, but yeah. what happened was, it was like, I'd watch film or I'd watch this and I'm like, Hey, come here. I'd keep the, you know, I've got a, you know, I've got a junior as a two year starter. He averages 12 yard, 12 tackles a game. I don't need to talk to him. I've got a senior, other linebacker, I didn't need to talk to him. So I would just take five minutes and pull over my three or four JV guys. We'd work over some stuff, right? Or I would teach them off the other guys' mistakes. Hey, look, when we watch film tomorrow, we watch varsity practice on film, you're going to see Brian did this and Stone did this. Here's what that's a problem with their offense. And we'd run through it because they get one less day. Because in Utah, we play the JV game or the varsity team. Thursday before. Oh, I've heard about y'all's schedule from, from Kearns. <laughs> Trust oh, me. The UEA? Yeah, we're not playing week 10 because of it. Um, but yeah, because you play, you play a varsity game on a Wednesday, a varsity game on Thursday, week 9, week 10, which means you're playing a J, like a JV game on Tuesday and like in a freshman game on a Tuesday, you get one day to prep and you are, you are not having Sunday practice in Utah. No. You're not doing it. I don't care if you're not in a Mormon location or not. It ain't going to fly. No. So you come in Saturday, you play on Thursday, Friday they're at school, right? So then Friday afternoon becomes your Saturday morning film and kind of thing. You give them Saturday and Sunday off for their bodies to heal. They come in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday walk through play, or Monday, Tuesday walk through play. It's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. Um, so, yeah, it, it's definitely unique. Um, but, yeah, we play our JV games before. And that's the other thing, too, about our JV teams have to go in there and fight left-handed. So all the scheme shit I do, they can't use it. They can't. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can oh, no. You're in base, dude. Right? And so, like, I have – so we have, like, three tiers of stuff. We have, like, our base stuff we do, right? 
and then we have like our checks and then I have this absurd shit. Like I like doing absurd things, right? So like if you see my two punter stuff and I like doing funky stuff, right? So funk, right? So the way something becomes a check is it's funk first. Hey, we're going to try this funky little thing. And if we use it and I end up using it against two or three teams, it becomes a check, right? And so that's like the progression. So I'll be like, oh, I got this cool little trick I'm going to do. And I'll explain to my D-line coaches, my JVDC. He's like, yeah, dude. I'm like, by the way, nah, no, you ain't using it. And a couple years later, he might get to use it. Right? Into the <laughs> season, he might get to use it. Right? Because after it's on film and all. But like, so I always feel super guilty, some of those guys. Because uh, they did burn me. My first year here, we had a team we are going to play. It was going to be a tight game. They had a glaring issue on their, let's say, on their kick return team. And, and I was like, oh, we're going to we're going to get an onside, maybe two. And uh, cause we'll get the first one and then they'll overcorrect and then we'll get this. Right. And, uh, I'm watching the JV game. Sure. Shit. They did it. They did the onside right where we were going to. I'm like, dude, I mean, I, don't take this wrong with it. I can't the shit. The JV team loses. Yeah. I, I need that. I needed that for Friday night. Now we ended up winning anyway, but I was like, okay. So then, I mean, I thought it was just inherently understood that we wouldn't do that stuff. And so then I eventually was like, look, you can't do this. Right. Like, you know, I'd have a conversation. We have a talk like, Hey, what checks can I use? What can I use? What do you think will work? Um, and so, yeah, so I, was, I feel guilty sometimes. We're like a cool thing that we know is going to work. <laughs> I, I get it coach. I get it. I get it hundred percent. Last question I got for you before we go is you mentioned okay. filming practice is how much of your practice do you film? And then how much of it do you, of that do you, and will at least have time for to go over with your guys the next day in your meetings. Yeah. So we practice, we have, um, 16 periods. Okay. We have, uh, four pre-practice periods, a five, two tens and a five, right? So 30 minutes. And then we have 12, five minute periods. So we're at 90 minutes of break. And in that, um, we always get team. We always get seven. And we always get our either our inside run or our, our blitz pickup. We may not get our outside run period or bubble period. Um, we may not get some of the specials. Um, but realistically, we've been very lucky last few years to have some female uh, football assistants, high school kids that film for us and help our trainer. There's a group of like four or five of them. They're rock stars, like um, COVID check-ins and all that stuff, like life got so much better because they, they just, after the first couple of days, they had it figured out and they could just run stuff for us. Okay. Um, they make things really easy for us. So they get a ton of things um, shot for us. But that being said, if, you know, if you're volunteering for a couple of sweatshirts or whatever and a free ride to the game and that kind of stuff, if you've got a big physics test coming up, you, you, you're not going to be a practice to film and we just don't get that done. Um, but we try never to miss those kind of core sections. Um, sevens is important. Inside run blitz to pick up, wildly important. Um, and then uh, team time. Um, we do separate our teams because we are good on good. We're two for two, so we're good on good. The cool thing about our practice is, like, if we go to team offense, so it'll be varsity team O versus varsity D, given a scout look, but our JV defense is getting their scout look at the same time. So we'll have 44 kids going at once. Good. Right? And so, and then you have three or four key subs, three or four key subs each side. So you've got really got. 50, 60 kids engaged on like a three-play cycle. Um, and so like our practices, there's not much standing around. There's not. Like you show film and there's like three kids behind the offensive huddle and three kids on the defensive <laughs> sideline. 
is perfect, yeah. right? And that, again, our, our JV kid development is so good because now they're two platoons, so they only have to learn half as much, and they're getting four or five times reps, maybe ten times reps as none of them get. Um, and, like, I can travel. So during our scout, when we're servicing the offense, I can go down and coach the JV defense. So I can go down there and support my D-line coach, who's the DC. We can have conversations about game plan, why this good call, better calls we talk about. Hey, that's a good call. This is a better call. You right? Thanks. We talk with the kids with it, coaches we talk in terms of that. Um, and I can kind of teach some of our younger staff members and stuff. I can kind of sit in the back and kind of do what I do for our safeties, our back hit kids, um, try to give, increase our football IQ. I can do that for the coaches. Um, so it's really nice. I can coach my coaches during that period to a degree and kind of stay off. But I also can jump in and get my positional group guy. Um, and then we go to defense. We go, you know, I go back down. Yeah. Um, so it, it, I love the way we practice. I think we're going to be more like a one-and-a-half platoon team this year. Um, there are certain pieces I do not want to lose. Um, but as far as what do we watch, um, so we make it available to everybody all night, right? Um, if there's a bunch of stuff, if I feel like we can't get it done in 15 minutes or 20 minutes, um, before practice, um, I may make two cut-ups, but I typically make a cut-up of practice, yeah. right? And so because I, I don't work on campus, we only have one on-campus coach. Um, I'm coming from Salt Lake, so I could be coming. And, then, and when I say Salt Lake, um, it's the Salt Lake greater area. I could be coming from an hour or an hour and a half away for practice, so just depending where I'm at. And so sometimes I come in there and I'm, you know, I'm changing my clothes on the way up to the practice field and I miss film. So, yeah, but the beautiful thing is our head coach is a defensive guy, right? And so I'll make my cut up as a contingency plan. I'll have it cut up and annotated so that he can just run it, right? And so plus the kids know that and they'll go and look at the cut up ahead of time. Yeah. Right? So they don't feel like they're ambushed, right? <laughs> um, but if I say if they get a ton, I might be like, hey, look at these. Um, and then we'll cover, you know, whatever. So I'll be like, you know, film study versus practice. Like I'll label it. I'll put a note in there. Um, but it's rare that we have that much to review. Um, but yeah, typically I try to cover, you know, a couple, two, three things in sevens, one or two things in inside run, and three or four things in yeah. team. You know, it's just proportionate. Maybe a, a play or two per five minutes. So if we're doing sevens for ten, that should be two to four plays. Inside run should be two to three plays. Team should be anywhere from six to seven plays. I should have a comment. If I feel like we're way above that, then we have a talk about why the fuck we have to review so many clips. Why are we playing poorly? We got to get this fixed. Like, I don't have time to come here and fix all this. You know, typically that's an effort thing, attention to detail thing. Yeah. And usually you can show the volume of bad plays and that fixes it. Um, but yeah, so if it's much, I'll send out the cut up. I, I try to send out cut up of what we're doing. You know, I, I've, that's something I've gotten better at, sending out small 10 to 15 play cut ups of what's important or where we're messing up. Um, and they get crazy even and put like, this is the play. This is what we did wrong. Here's them executing it in the game and cut it and bounce back and forth so they can see like, you know, hey, look, we ran this, but realistically we're in trouble here. Um, so, yeah, so that's, you know, something we try to do. Um, I don't script my team session. I used to. I used to be like, okay, we're going to run this play against this call and this play against that call. Um, but um, because I have uh, uh, my our head coach runs my scout for me, um, we can have a conversation about the team. And uh, so one thing I do on a game plan is um, I like to write a two to three sentence 
uh, description of their offense, yeah. right? If I can't encapsulate what their offense's goals and what they try to do in two or three sentences, I don't understand them well enough. If I don't understand them well enough, we're going to struggle because I, you know, I'm at the wheel. And if I can't, if I don't have a feel for what they're doing, I'm in trouble. So we talk about that. And so whenever he plays, he's running plays, I'm making genuine calls in the moment. Okay. Right. I'm playing the game in my head. Yeah. Okay. And so I get us in good calls. I get us in bad calls. Um, I get us in great calls. I get us in awful calls. And then, so sometimes it's a matter of like, for me, it's also a way for me when I review, like, okay, I love that call, but man, if they run that, we just can't play it right. Right. So, um, so for me, I think like I've gotten away from scripting because I felt like I wasn't organically finding flaws. Yeah. Right. You know, cause like, um, in theory, everything fits X and O wise. We're sound everything we do. So like, that's not a great call, but it's still an okay call. Well, you know, not having it scripted, you run into some busted ass calls. Like, Ooh, that's a problem. <laughs> so I found that that's, and then what I do too, is that's all on an iPad. So yeah. this cheap little program I love, I have to draw the play once and then it flips it and I can color code everything. Um, and then what happens is if I feel like, um, we're running some plays disproportionately, um, I just eliminate plays. So we might start off with like, um, 17, 18, 25 play cards on Monday. And then all of a sudden Tuesday it's like 20 and then Wednesday it might be down to 12. Yeah. Right. Like, so I trim it down and I'll force that play caller on the other side's hand a bit. If I don't like the way it's going, um, I can force it or I'll just yell out, Hey, you need to run blah, 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 two times the next four points. Uh, that kind of thing. But yeah. typically, we're on the same page. Okay. I think that's a perfect way to end it, Coach. So, um, coaches, um, obviously, uh, coaches' contact information, how to follow him on Twitter is all below. Make sure you check out that. Uh, link to his YouTube channel so you can check out the glorious Cover 2 and Barbecue will be below as well. Click subscribe for to his channel. Watch, it, watch some of that, especially if you're looking for some food stuff. Uh, check out our affiliates and sponsors below. Um, check out the tags if there's any point you want to go back to, especially if you want to listen to us talk more food at the beginning. Um, in order to add, uh, thank you, and that's a, another episode of the Gap Down Backer Podcast.